This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Chef Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And today we have a repeat offender. He is back again. His name is Colin Shaw, and he is one of the customer service and experience experts in the world. He is also uh, the guy that is on the most amazing customer experience podcast, The Intuitive Customer. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Before we do that, a couple of quick announcements, and you know what they are if you've been or heard the show, been on the show, heard the show, and uh, here they are. If you have an amazing customer service story that you'd like to share or a question you'd like to ask, just go to any social media channel. I'm there. If it's a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll be sure to answer uh, right there or in this show or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, C-Suite TV. And now we have our episodes on YouTube. So just go to BeAmazing.tv. That's BeAmazing.tv. All right, let's jump into this week's episode. Colin Shaw, an amazing guy who I have known for at least, what, eight, 10 years? Maybe more? Um, must be. It, it just feels a lot longer, Shep. That's all. That's the it problem. It feels longer. Well, I don't know if that's something that's good or bad. It feels like it was just yesterday. And as I mentioned, he is the host of the podcast, The Intuitive Customer. He's written a number of books. Uh, and we're going to talk about all things, not just customer service or customer experience, but today we're going to talk about customer science which is a great term uh, that you have coined. And I've read the article. I can't say I disagree with it. I think it's a really cool concept. I think you're taking uh, the concept of experience to uh, really, an, uh, I'm not going to call it an academic level. I'm going to talk, talk, call it maybe a more sophisticated level. So let's start with the first question. What is customer science? Okay, so for me, uh, let me sort of take a step back here. Uh, and if I waffle too much, just jump in. Um, but for me, customer science is a new variant of customer experience. Variant. Now, that is a, a topical word, isn't it? It is. I love that word. I love that <laughs> word. Um, and, and I guess the what I'm seeing today is what I saw 20 years ago. So, you know, I'm, you obviously talk about customer service and we talk about customer experience. And, you know, these are waves of change that go through organizations. And I guess what I'm starting to see is those sort of those early stages of a, a number of things fusing together. So what is customer science? Customer science for me is the fusion. I love that word, don't you? Fusion. That's good. I like that <laughs> word fusion better than variant. <laughs> right, good. It has a more yeah, positive have, feel to it. <laughs> and you don't have to wear a mask when you're talking about fusion. Right. Uh, so, um, but basically, customer science is the fusion between technology, 
okay? And when I say technology, I'm talking about AI. Um, um, the, uh, the whole area of data, okay? So we know we've talked about sort of big data uh, in, in the past. And I guess the area that I see that is growing uh, and we talk about a lot on the podcast is the whole area of behavioral science, okay? So, so let me let me pull it apart a bit more to get some of the concepts over to, to uh, people. So if, if you think about behavioral science, behavioral science is effectively looking at what customers are doing rather than what customers are saying they're doing. And that's an important difference between the, the two. Uh, because we all know that customers say they want, want one thing and then they go off and do something different or buy something different. We've also got this sort of cloud of big data that's not really being used from a customer perspective to, and here's an important word, predict what the what is going to happen next with the customer, what the customer's going to do. But we also know that AI is now becoming a big wave of change, Okay. So with AI, you're going to be able to feed in the data and be able to predict what the customer is going to do next through the understanding of behavioral science. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the things that we have seen AI do, not, it's, it's not being used at, at this level often because it's still expensive to do. But if I were to call a major company and an agent is actually talking to me, AI supports the agent. First, the artificial intelligence, the computer recognizes who Shep is. Okay. This is a customer that has been with us for X number of years for uh, buys X number of products, has a regular cadence of this, calls in on occasion to ask a question about whatever. And this AI can actually look at another 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 other customers who are exactly like me. And then they can tell this agent what I need to hear and they could probably predict, or the, the AI will tell the agent so the agent can predict what my next question is going to be, what yes. items I should purchase, cross-sell me, upsell me, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, so, so let me build on that because um, uh, this, I knew this was going to be a good conversation. Um, so let me build on that. So now when you say like me okay we're now really starting to talk about um behavioral segmentation because it's it's not like me because i live in one part of the country it's not like me because i happen to be a 45 year old that plays guitars it's not like in other words that form of segmentation what it is is a is a behavioral segmentation so it's like me because these are the types of decisions that I make. Right. These are the types of attitudes that I have towards things. And therefore, I could be, you know, it, you could be lumping into that segment, a 29-year-old and a 65-year-old uh, and, and, you know, anybody else, basically. It's based upon their behavior. Okay. Yeah, I love that. It's their behavior, not their demographic. Now, I know that you know about my book, uh, I'll be back, how to get customers to come back again and again. And one of the things yeah. we talk about is the most important measurement in business. It isn't your NPS score, your net promoter score. It's not customer satisfaction on a scale of one to 10. What do you think? Whatever. It's behavior. It's yeah. does the customer actually come back? And yeah. to your point, and if I'm getting this wrong, tell me, because it's amazing. Yeah. I think two minds are in parallel with each other right yeah. now. 
Um, it's like we need to understand what a regular customer looks like. And by the way, you can have multiple types of regular customers. And where I came up with this idea, I got to give credit where credit is due, is I was interviewing the CEO of a hair salon franchise. Right. And uh, he said, you know, we love knowing we did a good job, but we really want to measure is the cadence of the customer's behavior. We know that this type of customer comes back once a month. This type of customer comes back every two weeks, this one every six weeks. So when we start, to, we can put them and push them toward that routine. And yeah. then we know we uh, we have earned that customers, at least their repeat business, maybe not their loyalty, but at least yeah. we know that. So is, is yeah. that what we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah. So just so just take that as a good example. So they've done some, maybe a keyword here is observation of mm-hmm. what the customer is doing. And effectively, they built a formula. When, when this type of customer does these types of things, they come, that group of people come back three times a month. Okay. When that type of customer does these type of things, they come back once, once a month. Okay. So, so that formula, now imagine that being in AI, okay? Now imagine that you've done machine learning. So the AI can automatically understand and analyze that customer behavior. Now that customer behavior could be that the customer has, has we've sent out a letter to the customer saying that they owe us some money. They've called into the contact center They've called into the contact center two days later. We sent them at me. In other words, there's a pattern of behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you can now use that and AI can start to analyze that and even start to segment those customers dynamically. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in that. other words, you know, so now I've got this, instead of a state segmentation, I've got this dynamic segmentation which enables me to, and this is a really key word for me, it, 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 it enables you to uh, be, to predict what the customer is going to do right. okay, and be proactive, okay? Uh, and this ties into your last book, you know, about taking all of, making it convenient, okay? Yep. So what's more convenient mm-hmm. than when somebody automatically does something to you and you haven't even had to bloody think about it? Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. And and that's what the beauty, you know, and in, in, in my scenario that I gave you earlier, where the support center is talking to a, a customer, we, you know, and now that agent can say, by the way, and, and you see it on the screen, this customer hasn't asked for this yet, but they're going to. Sure. You might as well handle it now so they don't have to call back, you know, yes. and that's that proactiveness. But yes. imagine to your point where I think it gets even more exciting is that I don't even have to make the call. You're going to call me or you're going to do something for me to avoid me having a problem or even thinking about it. I mean, this is where we're headed. And some people are scared of this. I get it. You know, it's like, I don't want people reading my mind. Well, there's only one way to not have your behavior analyzed, your mind read, your patterns on social media and email. And that is go live in a cave because that's (laughs) the only way it's going to happen today. So. No, yeah. I, 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 no, absolutely. But I guess that the, the interesting bit for me is you're starting to get those three areas, okay? So you can only do this if you've got the data. You can only do this if you've got the AI. If you, you can only do this if you've got the understanding of that behavioral science. And those three things come together. And then you start going, 
well, there's this new variant of customer experience. So it's still about a customer experience, but it is getting more sophisticated in the approach and the output, which is really important for the customer, is that they get a proactive experience and they, you get to deliver things to them before they've even asked. Yeah, I, and I love that. And proactivity creates confidence. It's convenient. There's nothing bad that can come from that. Hey, let's take a quick break. We come back, much more to talk about around the idea of this, this whole you know, customer science versus customer experience and how it all kind of comes together. I would like to talk to you about uh, who the organizations are or the businesses, brands, that you see maybe doing something like this, because I think that would be interesting. My job is to try to make the complicated simple. And as we're talking, I hope that we're getting some clarity around what you're, because you are a very, I'm going to call it sophisticated, intelligent, heady, uh, far out there thinker. And we, you know, and, and you I'm excited about it. You, know. you obviously just don't know me well enough, Chef. <laughs> and now I know that you're a guitar player and you've even raised your level of, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> interest and intrigue. All right, so let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have more with Colin Shaw and we're going to talk about customer science and uh, remind you that The Intuitive Customer is a weekly podcast that Colin and his partner do every week. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Colin Shaw, and we are talking about customer science. So let's keep it going. I I asked you or I told you what we were going to do when we came back, and that is I want to know who some of the brands are, and then let's talk about how we might as consumers recognize when this is taking place, if that's okay. I know that I'm springing that one on you. um, No, no, no. So, yeah. So I I guess to answer your first question first is when an organization does something for you that you weren't expecting, okay? Um, But let's go back to the first question about who's doing this. And again, I know that you've referred to them in your last book. Uh, and that's Amazon. Yeah. So if you think of Amazon, so think of the data, all right? You know, I, I've got three Alexas in my house. I've got, um, so they know when I go to bed, they know when I wake up, they know when I turn on the kettle, uh, they know how many people call at my front door. Um, you know, they, they, know, they know the types of products I sell, what I send back, uh, sorry, not sell, but uh, buy and what I send back. Etc. 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 They know the type of food I eat, etc. So that is a mass amount of data that they've now got. So go back to the customer sites, the whole data bit. Okay. So 
being able to use that to build a profile and go back to the segmentation that we've been we were talking about and then put that into the whole ai bit that's where you're starting so to answer your question where are you starting to see it well it's in like things like notifications have you i don't know if you've got uh, amazon in your place yet but you know the other day uh, i got a notification through to say you know did i want to order this product yeah um, because I normally order this this type of product, and it was it was an anticipation um, of of uh, of what I was expecting. And I think the the other interesting thing that we did a couple of weeks ago, we had on the show um, or the podcast um, a couple of behavioural scientists who were working. One worked for Instagram, and one worked for a fintech company. Because I, I was fascinated to go well, tell me what you do every day. You know, what does it look like? Um, and the woman from the fintech company, uh, I, I always remember I said to her, well, how many of the fintech companies have behavioral scientists working there? And she said, oh, all of them. They all have behavioral scientists. So I, I, I guess my question is to your listener is, does your organization have a behavioral scientist uh, in the team? You, if you Googled Amazon and behavioral science, you'll see they've got masses of behavioral scientists that are looking at the data chunk in the data down. But the, here's the key, and this is the big difference. It's because we talk about AI data and behavioral science, but the average organization doesn't really understand behavioral science. The average organization doesn't collect data on how a customer is feeling, so what emotions they are feeling. The average organization, if you ask them how they are deploying AI, they will tell you it's in cost reduction and, and improvement of processes. Okay? Not customer, not customer focused activities. Correct. Okay. So as usual, and as, as we both experience with customer experience, you're going to get the early adopters. So you're going to get the organizations like the Amazons and like, you know, Airbnb, places like that, Instagram, et cetera, that are looking at the whole behavioral area and starting to, to, to lead, okay? And then you're going to be getting a group of other people come along the whole bow wave, as we've been experiencing with customer experience over the last 20, uh, 20 years. So um, I, I realize that Amazon and Airbnb, huge brands, okay, and yeah. they're anticipating what we want. They're, you know, uh, even when you go online, and this is not an inex inexpensive uh, add-on anymore, is to say, hey, customers who bought this in the past have bought this, you know, therefore we know that you bought this in the past, you might like this too. You know, sure. that's, that's anticipatory. But what about a small business? How expensive is it to implement something like this? Or is this just something, if even a, a small company, you know, maybe a small e-commerce company or even a, a brick and mortar sure. or even yeah. B2B, does this apply to B2B? I, yeah, I think it, I think it does. Um, and it's interesting that you, you, you um, have that thing asked yet uh, because we have a similar thing called I'm in a pickle, um, which basically is, you know, people give us sort of problems uh, and one of the problems that one of our uh, one of our listeners um, did the other day said to us the other day was how do I implement behavioral science at zero costs okay uh, and 
and and because they were from a small organization and you absolutely can i'm not saying that you can afford the ai and all of the data etc but you can look, absolutely look at what your customer is doing and then use that to start to predict um to uh, predict behavior yeah so i don't think I, I wouldn't necessarily call that customer science because we haven't got the whole ai and um uh, and data but, you're adapting but, as capable your capabilities if you're a small company if you're even a uh, a solo entrepreneur you can at least be thinking about the concepts of customer science and figure out how can i learn and apply some of this yes. to being more predictable for my yes. customers so if i was yeah yeah so if i was saying customer science customer science for me doesn't mean ai and technology you have to have them because guess what behavioral science is actually also around customer science so understand the point i'm trying to make is understanding how your customers behave and then doing something about it but understanding it the things at a much deeper level and not just taking what your customers say i mean i think i've mentioned to you in the past you know disney know when they ask their customers what they want to eat at a theme park disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad disney also know that people don't eat salads at theme parks they eat hot dogs and hamburgers yeah, even so, though they say they want it, they don't do it. Yeah. So another example is we did some work in Houston um, with a hospital system. And the perceived wisdom was, or the feedback from the customer was, through all the feedback, was that they needed to spend more time with doctors. That's what they wanted to improve their customer experience. They wanted to spend more time with doctors. When we did, when we did this analysis, we do a special form of research called an emotional signature. Um, when we did this analysis, what we found was that it wasn't that patients wanted to spend more time with doctors. Patients wanted to feel that the doctor listened to them. Mm. Okay? And, and think about that. There's a big difference between listening to someone and spending more time with them. Okay? Now, how that manifests itself for the patient was, I want the doctor to spend more time with me. But think about the logic of that you increase, let's say you double the amount of time with a doctor, okay? That means you need more doctors. That means you need more support staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now the patient goes in to see the doctor. They still don't listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now they've wasted my time twice the amount that they were wasting it before, yeah? Um, whereas if you actually said, well, actually what we need to do is to train our doctors on how to list more listening skills, then then that would improve satisfaction and it's going to cost far less so the important lesson is and i find this ironic because i've written a book on customer centricity is sometimes you shouldn't listen to your customer you should be able to use the science to get yeah. under underneath to understand yeah. their, the real reason why you know how many times have you had an argument with your significant other um and it was you know i don't know what something sparked it off and then you find out that it was nothing to do with the thing that sparked it off you you end up discussing something else um you know that's completely different so the point being you got to peel back the onion and get to the root cause of it and sometimes the customer doesn't even understand that
Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Hey, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to get into this concept of journey mapping because it's a real simple idea of being able to track the behavior of different customers. So uh, I know uh, it was on my list of things to talk about. In under two minutes, can you give us an idea of thoughts on why this is important? And for those that don't know it, the journey map is fill in the blank, Colin. Yeah, so journey map is looking at um, looking at a customer journey from the customer's perspective. So whenever we do this, um, I, I always use the example of, you know, if you're going to go to McDonald's, I, I get people to talk me through going to McDonald's. Uh, and typically they say, I turn up in the car park, I, you know, I, I walk in, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah? But the, the point being is the customer journey actually starts far before that. So it actually starts when I feel hungry and then starts, you know, that's like the first step I'm feeling hungry. Second step is, um, you know, now I've, where am I going to go? You know, do I see the golden arches and what's the decision, et cetera. So a journey map looks at it from a, looks at things from a customer perspective. Uh, and, and again, one of the things that we would absolutely advocate is that you, most journey maps look at the rational thing, what's the customer doing? You should also be looking at it from an emotional perspective, but then underneath that, you should be looking at it from, a, again, a behavioral perspective, okay? Because those give you clues on things. Um, one quick anecdote, um, we were doing this once, and I, I was asking this guy to explain his journey, the last thing he said that he did was he threw the bags away to get rid of the evidence. Yeah, which so in other words, he didn't want his his significant other to find out that he'd been to McDonald's because he was on a health kick or something like that. Yeah? <laughs> but that sort of gives you a, again an insight. That's the last part of the customer's journey. I love yeah, it. <laughs> which, you know, may put you in a, well, there's a health conscious segment of customers there that, that we need to uh, be um, uh, targeting more. That's funny. That's funny. All right. Uh, the one thing, uh, by the way, we, we can see where that's important. Journey mapping of uh, your customers' experiences from the customer's perspective, not ours. And when you see the interaction points, this is what we advocate, right, Colin? Yeah, Where can absolutely. we make it better? Every interaction point, what can we do to make it more convenient? Definitely. Can we predict what they're going to do next to eliminate one of those uh, inter interaction points and even simplify the journey? I always end with the one thing question, and I'm going to do it right now. What's the one last thing you want to leave our audience with today? I'm going to repeat probably the biggest thing that I've personally learned for the last 15 years, which is we don't choose between experiences we choose between the memory of an experience now let me be mm. clear that's not me that's professor daniel kahneman who's won the nobel prize for behavioral economics but if you think about that we don't choose between experiences we choose between the memory of an experience the implications of that are that memories are really 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 important and potentially more important than the experience, okay? Mm. Because, it, so if you think about customer loyalty, you can't be loyal to something that you haven't experienced. If you didn't have a memory, you wouldn't be able to go back to somewhere. So, you know, if you go, which restaurant shall I go to tonight? You think back to the restaurants that you've been to. If you didn't have 
the function of a memory, you would everything would be new every time. Is this making sense? Oh, total sense. The memory of the experience is key. And that memory, if you want people to come back, yes. needs to be a positive one. And what Kahneman talks about is that how what people remember is they remember the peak experience they, they felt. Right. A positive or negative. So it can be a positive experience or negative. The peak experience they felt and the end experience. He calls it the peak end rule. Mm-hmm. So experience of peak emotion that you feel and the end emotion that you feel. This sounds like another opportunity to bring you back and have another episode with the it's amazing Colin Shaw. It is my favorite subject, mate. I think it's so significant. I think we talked about this the first time, uh, but I may Probably. have want to go back and, and refresh. All right, everybody, this wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Make sure you tune into Colin's podcast, which is the Intuitive Customer. Just Google it um, and you'll find it. Yes. Great. And until next week, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.